It was the last Sunday of April, which meant that it was time for Loon Lake Lutheran's annual meeting. The day was glorious, so they brought out a bunch of picnic tables from the shed and enjoyed a catered meal outside. A few years back, Mrs. Torkelson had suggested feeding everyone first, before the annual meeting, made it less likely for people to vote grumpy. After the meal, the meeting began. Pastor Holly gave her report. She said that it had been a little tough over the last year, which in Midwesternese means it was really, really tough. COVID had forced the congregation to scramble to create online worship options. In addition, 10 longtime beloved members of the congregation had died, four due to COVID, which for a congregation of about 65 was devastating. But she was hopeful. They'd had two families that expressed interest in the congregation, several widowed people, including Sharon, who'd replaced Mrs. Udala on the evangelism committee, had also expressed interest in becoming full members. Other reports followed, education, evangelism, building, and so on. And then they got to the real meat of the meeting, the budget. Yes, the budget, the budget where all the fights happen. Or people just don't understand it and pass it anyway so they can get to lunch. But of course they'd already had lunch, so, but you get it. Treasurer handed out the budget. But it didn't look like any budget they'd ever seen. It was, they had the numbers, yeah. But there was also a story included with each line item. Under pastor's salary and benefits, there was a story about Pastor Holly's efforts to reach out to the congregation and encourage mutual ministry during COVID. Under evangelism, there was a story about Sharon's mailings and phone calls and another plea, would someone please join her on the evangelism committee? Under education, there were stories about VBS. And under outreach, there was a story about providing gift cards for essential care workers. There were a few grumbles afterward from those who expected the budget to be the same thing they'd been used to getting, but the response was pretty positive. They finally told me the story about our money that I needed to hear, they, many said. We're narrative creatures. There is an inherent need in us to create stories. Stories about our lives, stories about our families, stories about our communities, stories about our congregation and workplace. We create stories because stories create meaning. They provide a framework by which we can understand something. Now, sometimes these narrative frameworks can be destructive. For example, there are stories that rationalize addiction and rationalize hatred. But sometimes stories have an incredible power to build up a community beyond what mere numbers and facts can do. That's why the narrative budget at Loon Lake was such a success. And that's why the stories of Peter, Paul, and Barnabas were able to open the hearts of the people of the Jerusalem church to receive their Gentile brothers and sisters. Our story in Acts happens after Paul and Barnabas go on a missionary journey. 
They make many disciples among Jew and Gentile alike, but they receive a few, ver uh, a few bruises as well. Paul, for his part, barely escapes the same fate of Stephen. It also happens after Peter's encounter with Cornelius the centurion in Acts 10, where the Holy Spirit doesn't even wait for the apostles to baptize them before descending on Cornelius and his household. So there's already significant outreach at this point and acceptance of the gospel among Gentiles. But as they say, the devil is in the details. It isn't as if the objections of the Pharisaic party of the church aren't legitimate. They are. After all, the mark of the covenant, circumcision, was given to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 17. It had been practiced by Abraham's descendants, the Jewish people, for some 2,000 years or so at this point. In addition, the Jewish people were a persecuted minority. They'd been under the constant threat of assimilation by empire after empire after empire. Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, Macedonians, Seleucids, to the then present-day Romans. If they weren't Jewish, who were they? You can empathize a bit with the anxiety. But the Holy Spirit has a habit of bringing the gospel to people beyond our boundaries. Regardless of our fears, the Spirit's breath blurs all lines between clean and unclean, acceptable and unacceptable, worthy and unworthy. Notice what happens first, though. Paul and Barnabas tell about the, the Gentiles accepting the gospel, and then there is much debate, much debate. Many of us have seen those church minutes where it might say a vigorous debate ensued. This is that. This is the vigorous debate that ensued. You can just imagine what it was like to be among uh, there. Facts aren't sufficient to bring consensus. They could have all the facts they wanted, but it wouldn't bring them to any kind of agreement. The Gentiles remain objects. Objects of concern, for sure, but still objects. Their full humanity is obscured under worries about identity, concerns about living out the word of God as they have received it, and maybe, if I may say so, anxiety about outsiders. But when Peter stands up and gives his brief testimony, that primes the hearts of the people there to hear more of Paul and Barnabas' story. We, the readers, already know their story from chapters 13 and 14. They preach, they heal, they make disciples. But here, the other apostles and elders cease from debate and listen. They keep silence, as Acts tells us. They hear more about the Spirit's work, which has brought Jew, Gentile and Jew to, alike to faith in the gospel. Without regard for religious status, culture, practice, or identity. This doesn't mean that those things don't matter. The Spirit does not assimilate peoples into a melting pot. 
The Spirit brings all peoples to the gospel and also makes people more fully themselves at the same time. It's like a salad bowl. Everyone has something to add. That was the great lesson that Paul and Barnabas learned on their missionary journey, as Philip learned it from with the Ethiopian. And it's the stories, the stories of Paul and Barnabas about the signs and wonders they've seen, they've done, that God has done through them, that touch their hearts and help them see the Gentiles as more than objects. They see them as human, as people whom the Lord loves, just as the Lord loves them, as those destined for eternal life, just as they are so destined. In our world today, we have an abundance of stories. But too often, they're stories that obscure the humanity of others. They give quick and easy explanations for why people do what they do. Why is Uncle Charlie an alcoholic? Why did those people riot in the Twin Cities last spring? The quick and easy explanation is seldom the correct one. Such stories may have a grain of truth in them, but they're usually unfair. The problem with them is that you, they, they tend to obscure the human in front of you. What happens in Acts today is the seed of a different kind of story. It's a story that sees the other, the Gentile, the outsider, as fully human, liable to sin just like everyone else, but also beloved by God and a fellow heir in God's kingdom. At Loon Lake, things began to happen slowly after the narrative budget was presented. Sharon got a, Sharon got a companion on the evangelism committee. Of course, this was another recent retiree who moved up from the Twin Cities named Grace, but at least she had someone now. And several more folks became involved in the work of the church from visiting members to thinking of creative ways to reach out to their community. They wanted to be part of God's story. And we, the people of Shalom, are already part of God's story. It began in our baptism, and it continues now. The Lord bless us as he writes the next chapter of the story through us and through those around us, even in those we wouldn't think to look. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you continually challenge our stories that exclude and divide. Help us to not take the common narratives of our world at face value. Help us to see the humanity in others. Use us and those around us to write the next chapter of your story of radical love for all. Amen.